Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, do the Braves have to do anything? A fresh start for Collins. And are the Falcons done? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So as we head through the month of July and we head toward the trade deadline, you know, and the all-star game is wrapped up now when we're in the second half of the season, the de facto second half of the season. The Braves have played 89 games uh, thus far. Do the Braves have to do anything? You know, a month or six weeks ago, you know, it was, I don't want to say panic mode, but it was, oh, well, we got to fix the bullpen and we got to add more starters and we got to add a left fielder and blah, 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 blah. Now you look as the dust has settled and things have just kind of calmed down. You look at where the Braves are now, right? We've talked about the division's over. I mean, the Marlins, Phillies, and Mutts are not overtaking the Braves. I, I don't care what scenario you try to spin to me. There's no scenario, no scenario where the Braves lose this division. You mean to tell me the Braves all of a sudden going to go on a 120 kind of streak? No, of course not. Again, we, we've talked about all the reasons why, but... There's no scenario where there is a, another team to win the division. So now it becomes, okay, you know, do we have enough in the playoffs? Do we have enough to, you know, over, you know, win the World Series or this, that, and the other? All right. So let's take the lineup, for instance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, could you add a right-handed bat to the lineup to kind of spell Eddie Rosario as you need to? Sure. But look at the season Eddie Rosario is having at the at the All-Star break. I mean, it's been a really nice bounce back year. 14 homers, 43 RBI. He's hitting a respectable 254, scored 37 runs. And believe it or not, he's made some nice plays on the outfield. So again, he's held his own. You know, again, if you want, you know, a bat or want to use some of the, the guys that you already have off your bench, all right, I can I can buy into all that, but eh. I mean, that's that's luxury stuff. Okay. Now the big one, the rotation. Oh man, the Braves got all these guys out and this and that and the other. Freed's out, Wright's out, Anderson's done for the okay. Soroka's back down the minus. Okay. Well, now you look, all right. Now that we we've kind of settled down with everything, you have three regular starters. So two of them have been all-stars. Two of them are all-stars. Okay. Max Freed is a former all-star. Right. Charlie Morton's a former all-star. So again, you got two current all-stars. Got you got Charlie Morton. All three of those guys have been really. I mean, they've been, they've been. I don't want to say outstanding, but they've pitched really well. Morton's had a really nice bounce back year. Elder's obviously been terrific. He's an all star, and Strider's unhittable. So we got that three. Well, now all of a sudden, Max Freed is making a you know comeback start, and it looks like he's going to be back sooner than later. Don't know the status of Kyle Wright, but again, Michael Soroka is back up. Okay. Feels like he's going to try to get a chance to stay. But worst case scenario is 
if you get Max Freed up and and in a part of the regular rotation, which again, once he gets in the rotation, barring an injury, he's not going out of the rotation. So now you only really have to fill one spot, whether it's Soroka or you can use some of your rookies and stuff like that. And kind of not overwork a fifth guy, you know, a Soroka or some of your rookies, Schuster or Dodd or whatever. So now all of a sudden you're like, okay, now we got first world problems. Oh yeah, I've got two all-star starters and I'm about to add the best left-hander in baseball to my rotation. Well, that's like a free agent pickup just all by itself because Freed's only made what, five or six starts for the entire year. And it's a lefty to kind of break up all the right-handers that we've had all season long pitching. So again, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now we got first world problems from starting pitching. Now, now we've got all these guys that, you know, maybe we don't need to make a move. So I don't think the Braves are going to have to give up assets to get a starting pitcher. Now, as far as the bullpen goes, you know, look, will the Braves make a move to grab another reliever? Probably. But go look at the numbers as far as the Braves bullpen. You know, they're one of the best bullpens in ERA and, you know, whip and all these other metrics all the sabermetric, metrosexual analytical numbers that people put out there. They've been one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball. So it doesn't feel like that, oh, my gosh, we got two or three wink links. I mean, you know, again, has Minter pitched great this year? No, but he's been able to be, you know, competent. Chavez has been really good. I mean, you know, again, McHugh, I mean, okay. I mean, they got they got guys that, you know, have taken over. It doesn't feel like that. You have to go out there and make some big, bold move to improve the bullpen. You know, I'm looking at some of these names that are being bantied about. I mean, they're all, you know, fish heads and rice, right? Not going to cost you anything. They're they're either guys that teams want to move on because they're not going to pay them or teams that are just looking to take a veteran and get a cheap prospect back and roll the dice and see if that guy can be, you know, part of something long-term or part of something special. So when I look at this Braves team, they by and large can just sit back with their arms crossed, kick back in a Barca lounger and and realize that we don't really have to do anything. Alex Anthopoulos has built this team to where I don't think there's really any moves that they have to make. There's no glaring weakness on this team. You know, we came into the year saying, okay, well, is left field going to be a problem? You know, how good's our bullpen going to be? And then all of a sudden it became starting pitching. Anderson's out for the year. Kyle Wright and Max Fried are out for 60 days. And, you know, Michael Soroka is not quite ready to come back. And, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not saying that these weaknesses have turned into complete strengths, but, okay, left field's been pretty competent. Starting pitching got through the worst of it. And, you know, they took all the bumps and bruises and things like that. And now you're in pretty good shape. And again, you got great performances out of Strider and Elder, and your bullpen has been really good. I mean, statistically, they've been really good. And say what you want about Iglesias. I mean, I talked to Heath Bell the other night on my radio show. Look, again, closers are going to have their ups and downs. Iglesias is no different than Kenley Jansen or Will Smith. And guess what those guys have done? They've been outstanding. They, they were all outstanding. At the end of the year, yeah, for their blips and bloops and things like that, they were outstanding. So, no, at this point, I don't really think that there's a scenario where the Braves have to do anything. Will they do something? 
probably because Alex Anthopoulos is an aggressive GM, right? That, that he's a guy always, you know, he's kind of in that Bill Parcells mode. You know, Bill Parcells was, if I can improve the 53rd man on my roster, I'll improve the 53rd man on my roster. Alex Anthopoulos is like that. If I can improve my back-end bullpen where I need a long innings guy just in case, I'll improve that. So, I, I again, but to think that the Braves, you know, again, six, eight weeks ago, we were looking at this saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we got to go out and get some starting pitching and this and that. And, you know, I don't want to say, again, like I said, it, it's not panic mode, but it was a situation where it felt like, all of these things were starting to pile up for the Braves and there were injuries to the starting lineup and, you know, all these other things and the pitching lineup and just this and that and what have you. And meanwhile, the Braves are just steadily, you know, just one games taking control of the division. So the fact is that again, the Braves don't have to really do anything. If the Braves stood Pat and just rolled this roster right out there into the playoffs, they're still probably, Again, I don't know what Vegas says, you know, as far as that goes, but why would they not be the betting odds to win the World Series right now? With that lineup and those starters and their bullpen is competent enough and they got a, you know, a really good closer. Again, why why would they not be the favorites to win the World Series at this point? They've got everything that they need. You know, again, it's an abundance of riches. They've built this thing the right way. They've gotten really good performances out of the guys that they've had to count on where maybe we didn't think we'd have to count on some guys as much, but they've gotten really good performances out of those guys. So no, I don't think the Braves have to do anything. This is a time where the Braves, if they wanted to, could sit back, lounge around in a bark, you know, bark a lounger, you know, pet their cocker spaniel and go on their merry way and not have to do anything. And that's a relief. And that's a testament to how good, the scouting department, Alex Anthopoulos, player development, all of that has been for this Braves team. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And as you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as we're heading into the second half of MLB, MLB season, you can have a chance to bet on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20 on FanDuel and you can land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or whether you lose. It's $200 you can spend betting on everything from money lines to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. FanDuel is a safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. And, of course, again, you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get in on the action at FanDuel where you can get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's the great part about it. And even more importantly, you get paid instantly from FanDuel. That's the best part of all of this. So FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So I thought it was interesting what John Collins had to say in his introductory press conference, which I believe was last Friday uh, for him. And he talked about the idea of, this was a, this is a, a quote, from him. Quote, it's a big stress relief. Obviously, you know, my name has been in a lot of rumors and whatnot, and it hasn't been easy. Uh, so it's just been a it's just been good to finally get it over with and obviously start anew in Utah. I'm really not trying to think about it too much and just go for it 
and be the best player I can. I feel like I can be really successful here. Now, it is interesting that, and again, you know, it, it's almost been a running joke in a lot of ways is that, oh, well, John Collins is, you know, scheduled to be traded again. You know, when, when I was at the, I was at the Hawks draft party, not this, we were at the draft party this, this, this you know, couple months ago here or whatever, a month ago, whatever like that. But in 2022, I was at the Hawks draft party and that was at some event arena and all this good kind of stuff. And there was so much speculation talking to people about, oh, well, Collins is going to get traded tonight. And, and Zach Klein and all these other media heads, oh, well, he's getting traded tonight. He's getting traded. And then nothing happened. Then we rolled through the trade deadline. Nothing happened. And we've heard this for years and years and years. And you figure it's got to grind on a guy when the team that drafted you and the organization that gave you a $125 million contract and the organization that believes in you. And at one point, I mean, he was, you know, our second best player on the roster. You know, the fact of, okay, they want to move on from you and get rid of you had to be weighing on his mind. And I expect, listen, I, I will tell you, I think John Collins is going to have a big season. I don't know what their plan is in Utah. I'm going to talk to one of the beat reporters at, at some point and, you know, I'll get some information, you know, about it. But I don't know what their plan is for John Collins. I don't really cover Utah basketball. But it just feels like that there's been a big burden lifted off his shoulders. And and look, I'll say it this way, okay? I'll say the thing that that, you know, maybe, you know, isn't popular to be said. But, you know, maybe part of this is getting away from Trey Young and that dynamic. Not just the Hawks and things like that. Maybe the Trey Young dynamic. Did they mesh as well as what we would have hoped for? Probably not. But again, you know, they were kind of linked and they were moving forward and they were going to be the building blocks of this organization. And now finally, after, you know, 5,000 rumors, I mean, think about how many guys have been rumored in trades for John Collins. Half the league has been rumored to be traded for John Collins, right? Like every time the trade deadline or the off season or this or that for the last really three, four years, I mean, it's been one rumor after another. I said half the league has been involved in some kind of trade rumor that was, you know, John Collins related out there. And Collins went on to say that, quote, I understand people being used to me playing one way and obviously not playing up to the standards that are expected. I look at myself and I'm my own biggest critic as well. So it's definitely on me to just get back into the gym and really just tighten my game up. And he said, uh, you know, I'm. It, it's uh, he um, he said that there's always room uh, to get better. Never going to be 100 percent until I stop playing the game. And he said, quote, I never felt like I've woken up and lost the way or knowledge of how to play the game of basketball. Once I get in the court and just play, I really feel like all the noise will be quiet. And like I said, I think that he's going to have a big year in Utah, but just. You know, it was interesting when he talked about Nate McMillan in the off, you know, when when that move was made, you know, he was one of the guys that, that stood in front of the media and talked about, well, you know, maybe it was a message for, you know, um, a, a younger group of guys or sorry, a more veteran group of guys and that they were a young team and all this. Oh, OK, I mean, again, I, 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 
I don't really believe all of that stuff, but but whatever. But now he's on in Utah, and again, I, I expect him to have a big year. I don't know if he's going to become that 20 and 10 player that he was in his first couple few years with, with the Atlanta Hawks, but maybe just getting away and we talk about fresh starts and change of scenery and all these other things that go along with it. Maybe that's what he needs, you know, out there. Maybe that's, maybe this is going to be the best thing for him. And again, you know, this was not about, <laughs> I'd say it this way, but again, this was not about getting value in return, right? They got Rudy Gay back and he's already been shipped off, right? We told you, we, we told you on the show that he wasn't going to be around. Rudy Gay was never going to be here. Those are just parts. The main thing for the Hawks, hate to say it this way, but was getting under the luxury tax. And by the way, that's every move the Hawks have made. Okay. The Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington and Patty Mills, you can have all those guys. No, not one of those guys makes the Hawks roster better. And now they're all gone, other than Patty Mills is still around, who got traded three times in 10 days. Can you tell I'm frustrated about what the Hawks have done this offseason. But it was a salary dump. I mean, let's call it what it is. With John Collins, it was a salary dump. That they they wanted to move under the luxury tax. They didn't want to be in it. A lot of te- and by the way, a lot of teams do not want to be in the luxury tax. The way the new CBA is set up, it's it's not necessarily a good thing to be in the luxury tax. And once you start to get into it, it's hard to get out of unless you just dump salary. And that's what the Hawks did here. So look, good for John Collins. You know, again, I'll keep up with what he's doing. In Utah, I'll probably talk to some of the beat writers and, you know, those kinds of people that that follow him on an everyday basis. I won't necessarily keep up with him every day, but it will be interesting to see that if he does kind of have that bounce back kind of breakout season where for whatever reason, you know, again, he had, you know, critiques about Trey Young and the offense running through him. Maybe now things will be different in Utah. Maybe now he's got that fresh start and maybe now he can find his way to where he gets back to being the player that we thought he could be. He gets back to that 20 and 12 kind of 20 and 10, I should say, kind of mark. We'll see if he can get back to all of that. Aren't many of those guys running around in the league and Collins at one time was one of them. So good luck to him. It'll be interesting to watch what he does in Utah and I'll be keeping up uh, with all of it. All right, as you go in and make Hitting Hard your first listen, be sure to leave us a comment in whatever podcast platform that you're listening on that you are an everyday listener to the program. So we like to call them our everydayers, as we say. So we do thank you so much for being a part of our growing community and being on this journey and this ride with us here over really not even quite a year and a half just yet. So April of last year is when we cranked up. So we thank you so much. And we continue to you know want to hear from you as far as being an everyday listener five days a week into the program. So are the Falcons done? You know, training camp is two weeks away, two weeks away from today. Training camp's two weeks away from today. And, and it, it's officially football season in two weeks, right? Because now we're in training camp, preseason. It'll come real quick, right? Three preseason games. It'll come quick. Regular season will be here. And beat by the boop before you know it, we're, we're, you know, in the NFL regular season. Now the Hawks, or sorry, the Falcons have eh, somewhere in that nine, 10, you know, $10.5 million range of available funds to spend. Are they done? You know, again, there's, you know, nitpicking that you can always do on an NFL roster. Again, I brought up Bill Parcells. You can improve the 53rd man on your roster. You improve the 53rd man on your roster. Okay. But I'll still go back to 
what I keep saying. Okay. And I know y'all don't want to hear this, but it's, I'm, I'm going to beat that drum until I see it in living color change. Okay. You can't have too many pass rushers and you've got Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, and uh, Yannick Ngakwe that are sitting out there in the open market. Am I relying on those guys to be dominant? Pa- no, but again, you know, my fear is the idea of getting the court there again, a lot of y'all are counting on a lot of wishful thinking. What ifs hopeful thinking the Caden Ellis's the Arnold Ebicades. And look, I'm right there with you. I mean, again, I think Ebicades has to be the breakout player or we're not going to get where we need to be. You can tell me about what our defensive backfield is and our $14 million safeties. If you can't get home on the pass rush, it ain't going to matter. It ain't going to matter. You know, so to, so many of y'all think that, you know, you can't understand the reason why we don't win in this league. In, in a league that is built to be bad one year, great the next year. Not, not just yeah, mediocre one year and a little above mediocre. No, stink up the joint like the Jacksonville Jaguars and next year win your division. When, when you have Urban Meyer and all the stinkiness came along with that, then next year you win your division. That Again, we can't understand why we don't win enough of these games. Well, it's salary cap. And come on, folks. Come on, folks. Is that really what you what you think? Is that really what where you think? Again, we don't influence the game on our defensive line of scrimmage. And and there's no amount of guys that I'll feel comfortable with that, you know, again, as is, I, I would add one of those guys in a heartbeat. I don't care what you tell me one of those three guys is a Falcon. I'm all in. I'm in. I don't care if they play 20%, 40%, 60% of the snaps. I don't care how many games they, I don't care. Just having those guys on our football roster that their job is to go after quarterbacks in Gawkway or Houston or Melvin Ingram, just those one of those three guys. Why not? What, what, again, they've got nine or ten million dollars. You're not going to spend nine or ten million dollars on one of those guys. Well, there's a reason why they're sitting out there. Yeah, because some folks think they probably cost too much money, or you, you wait around because. You go wishful thinking into, well, I've got this, you know, I got my second year guy that's, you know, making 12 bucks and he's going to, you know, break out and all this kind of stuff. And then you look and say, well, you know what, maybe, maybe I got to add a veteran, you know, into that mix or, you know, the good franchises, they have all those guys, you know, the, the 49ers, they, they, they had one of the best pass rushes, you know, in the NFL in the last decade. And they just went out and signed Javon Hargrave and said, yeah, we'll give him, you know, $80 million or, whatever like that. They already did all their work. They don't have to add any more guys. They, they got too many guys. They, they look and say, man, we got too many guys that, that rush the quarterback. You ever hear Nick Sirianni say that in a press conference? We got just too many guys that sacked the quarterback. I don't think he's ever said that. I don't know. I didn't see all those press conferences, but I'm guessing he didn't say, boy, we just got too many guys that sacked the quarterback. You, you Again, my buddy D-Led talks about you can't have too many corners. Guess what? In today's NFL, you can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback. You can't have too many of those guys. So why not? Again, if you got to give them four, five, six million dollars, who cares? Put them on a one-year contract. Show me building all kinds of incentives and stuff like that. You've got the funds. You don't need to roll the money over. You're going to be in good cap shape even going into next year. You still don't pay your quarterback all that much money. 
and you got Pitts in London on, you know, rookie contracts. The one guy you're going to have to fork some money over to is going to be AJ Terrell, but you've got McGarry and you got Lindstrom signed up and Jake Matthews is here, right? Like you got most of your guys that are in pretty good shape financially as far as they're signed up, ready to go. AJ is going to be the big one. It's going to cost you a lot of money to keep AJ Terrell. That's fine. I think I think he's worth it. I think he's I think he's you know he's going to approach a twenty million dollar cornerback. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but again, you know, with 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 the NFL, it's never about what you deserve. It's about who's next. Same with quarterbacks. Does Derek Carr deserve to be a forty million dollar quarterback when the when the Raiders franchise is in no, no better shape than it was a decade ago than when he got there? Probably even worse. No, of course not. It's the NFL. That's the game that's played in the NFL. Salaries go up, players make more money, and if you're the next available hot guy, you get all the money. So outside of AJ Terrell, you know, we got all these guys that are, you know, vagabonds that are just on one, two-year deals or short deals, stuff like that, but the main core of our team is signed up. Why not give some money to another pass rusher? Why not bring a guy in? Like I said, I don't care if he I don't care if he plays 20, 40, 60, 80, 600% of the snaps. I don't care. I still don't feel like I've got that fire breather that's coming off the edge. I still don't feel like I've got that fire breather that's going to get after the quarterback and put him on the ground on a consistent basis. Do we have guys like, again, Arnold Ebicady? Can he be that guy? Hopefully, right? And, and I use that word, hopefully. Hopefully he can be that guy, but we haven't seen it yet. We saw flashes and bits and pieces and blips and bloops and stuff like that but it's no consistency to it. And that's the thing. Nobody has shown that they consistently can get after the quarterback for, I don't know how many years, really since Vic Beasley's Super Bowl year. when when it was, you know, getting after the quarterback and lean the league in sacks. So again, I, I, I don't know if they're done. I don't know if they're looking at, you know, kind of veteran, but why not add one of those three guys as a pass rusher? Why not add one of those three guys? Figure out a way to use him. I'm sure Ryan Nielsen can come up with something how to use a guy like that. And let's just add more pass rush. Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. Well, it's going to be better, okay? Again, let's add more. You know what? If you think it's good enough, add more, right? If you think you can get to 38 sacks, get somebody to 45, right? That's what, that's what you do in today's NFL. You have to sack the quarterback. I think we'll better. I think we're going to be better at it, but I'm not convinced that Again, we are going to get to the kinds of numbers that make you a consistent playoff team or what playoff defenses you know tend to do or what your Super Bowl participant defenses tend to do. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast, podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we thank you so much for being a part of our community, listening in five days a week. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. So we thank you for uh, your participation uh, in all of this. And obviously, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. Give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.